Welcome to the Pfeffer on Power podcast, where we discuss how to use power to accelerate your career. Our guest today is Sadiq Jelani, who I've had the privilege of knowing for a number of years. I wrote a case on Sadiq. Um, Sadiq came to my attention uh, because at the age of 32, he became senior vice president and chief strategy officer of Lufthansa, the enormous German airline, and was uh, one of the youngest people in the senior management team at Lufthansa. Sadiq's background and his experience is amazing. He graduated from Harvard Business School, went to work for Bain. He's worked for Seabury Consulting, where he was a partner. He has been involved with startup airlines. He then went to work for Emirates. And today, Sadiq serves as an advisor to Atestor Capital. He is the chair of the advisory board for Condor Airlines, which is the second largest German airline. He's on the board of eTraveli, an online travel organization. He has done a video on the art of disciplined opportunism, a subject that we're going to talk about. He has done a talk on the airline industry for the Stanford Alumni Association, which has been viewed more than one million times. So he is an amazing human being and has become over the years a very good friend. There are three topics that have caused me to want to have Sadiq on our podcast, Pfeffer on Power. The first is how he used his association with Lufthansa to help leverage that. If you think about a spider building a web up, he really built a sequence of opportunities out of his time at Lufthansa and then his time subsequent to Lufthansa to really build an enormous presence in the airline industry. The second topic I would like to talk about is his series of career moves. And the third topic is he went to Lufthansa under the sponsorship or hired by Christophe France. He went to Emirates, hired by Christoph Muller. Both Christoph France and Christoph Muller left their companies. So I sometimes facetiously say Sadiq had a Christoph problem. But he, unlike many people, when your sponsor leaves, you like get eviscerated. He did well. He stayed on at Lufthansa, stayed on at Emirates, and made the loss of his sponsor not a fatal incident in his career. So those are the three things I want to talk to him about. I want to thank Sadiq for being with us today. So the first thing I would say is like everybody we are going to have on this podcast, there are two components to Sadiq. One component we're not going to talk about. And that component is that he is a brilliant expert on the airline industry. Some people think power is like the opposite of performance. I actually think the two things work together. I've talked to Sadiq about the role of the Airbus A380 in the current airline industry. You can talk to him about routes. You can talk to him about pricing. This is an extraordinarily accomplished, amazing person who has enormous knowledge and experience in the travel and the airline industry. That goes as a given. So what I want to talk to him today is how he has used ideas about power to leverage, if you will, his extraordinary knowledge and experience uh, to become even more successful. So this is not about power versus performance. This is power as an amplification of performance. And so I want to begin by asking Sadiq to talk about how he used his role in Lufthansa to help 
build other roles and other positions to help build his visibility in the airline and travel industry. Many of the listeners in this program work for companies like Amazon or Google or Bank of America or JP Morgan Chase. And one of the things that is just impresses me about Sadiq is how he has leveraged his association with high visibility and high brand organizations to build this amazing resume. So Sadiq, take it away. Jeff, thanks very much for the invitation and also well done on your book. It's a great read. To start with, I would just like to say when everyone looks at my career and I look back, I mean, it looks like it was all very well planned and it looks like it all came together very well. But, you know, a big part um, of my approach is really being able to identify opportunities as they come up. And that's what really I try to describe in the art of disciplined opportunism in that, uh, in that speech and in your class where I've uh, addressed students. So when I, when I became chief strategy officer of Lufthansa, you know, I was given this advice that this is a platform, uh, think about how I can, I can leverage it. And that those words stuck with me, but I didn't really know exactly how, you know, I could uh, take advantage of that. But one thing was um, seeing things as they came up. So for example, I was invited to join the Lufthansa delegation to the World Economic Forum. And whilst I was there, I learned about a program called the Young Global Leaders. So I asked my boss, one of the Christophs, to nominate me for that program, and I was accepted. So again, it was, you know, before I joined Lufthansa, I didn't even know about this program or about what the WEF was doing. I saw within Lufthansa also the opportunity to strengthen innovation and digital. And uh, as part of that, helped create an innovation hub in Berlin and developed a whole approach towards innovation for the company and built up a team under my strategy team responsible for innovation. So that's something which was an opportunity which strengthened the company, but also as part of that, put me in an ecosystem of travel startups. So I was invited to speak. For example, I was invited to speak at Stanford and and share my experiences. And whilst I was down there, I heard about something called compressed classes, which are two-week MBA elective classes. And whilst I was, again, still down there, I proposed the idea of starting one focused on the travel and airline industry. And again, before going down there, I didn't know anything about this. It had never occurred to me to go and lecture that was successful. And I ended up lecturing at Stanford for six years, teaching that program. So it's, again, you know, it was a natural compatibility because, you know, anyway, I would be going to, to Silicon Valley once per year to meet startups. And through my work with the World Economic Forum, I was also meeting a lot of travel industry C-suite executives. So I was able to bring that all together at Stanford and bring in amazing guest speakers and use my time down there on campus also to help the company because I was in the innovation ecosystem. So these internal and external activities, internal to the company, they all reinforce, actually. So it wasn't me kind of going solo and using my time at work to master my own agenda. There was actually a link back to my work. And I think that's what really made it uh, powerful, because I was able to find a way to align my own interests with the company's interests for, for mutual benefit. And in a similar way, because of my role, I was invited to give the first ever TEDx talk in Berlin on the topic of future of travel. And again, I saw that as an opportunity to also strengthen some of the work we were doing internally, but also putting my own brand out there. So again, like these activities all start to come together. And then before you knew it, I was repositioning myself as one of the experts on innovation within the travel industry. And because of that, other opportunities came up. I was also was asked to sit on the board of one or two companies inside Lufthansa. And as I was doing that, I decided to realize, okay, if I can build up board experience inside Lufthansa, this will be very valuable later. I didn't really know exactly how big that would be for me later in life, but I knew it was a valuable skill to pick up. And again, that's something where I was, I was learning on the job, but benefiting the company at the time, 
But later on has now helped me get on a couple of other major board positions because I was able to develop that expertise at an early age and, uh, and make something out of it. So again, it's a bit of a philosophy to say, what are the things which are coming towards you? What are the, the signs of the universe? Things which are opening, doors which are opening for you and being able to read and say, ah, okay, this is something interesting. What can I do with it? How can I apply what I'm doing now to benefit both sides? So I think that's a bit of my philosophy. And I guess the B case is then my then move to, to Emirates. And I think we haven't spoke so much about how I did the same thing at Emirates. But after a two or three years at Emirates, I also started to try and build my media presence and speak about the future of travel again. And I was recognizing that post-pandemic, there was a lot of questions about the future of travel. So I did a number of interviews across different markets um, to talk about my views on the future of travel, that air travel will get more expensive that there would be this big boom in, in travel and a few other things, which just, again, got a lot of attention just because I was in the right place and in the right position to be speaking about those topics. And also because I had that board experience at Lufthansa, I was also able then to get on a couple of external boards um, in addition to my main role. And that I've now transitioned entirely to a portfolio career, only sitting on, on boards as well as doing advisory work. And those seeds all came together over the last few years. But if I hadn't planted those seeds early and got those opportunities, I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of it. Now, it all sounds great, but I do want to leave people a bit of caution as well to say, if you're in a big corporate and you do these, let's say, brand building activities, these business development opportunities, which also help yourself, there is some risk involved. And as you've written about extensively, we're working in a sea of narcissists in these big corporates. And that does lead to jealousy and rivalry. So if your colleagues are seeing you speaking in the media, or even your boss is seeing you speak in the media, that can lead to jealousy. And often you have to do it in a sensitive way, but just recognize and do it in a way which doesn't aggregate and try and get the permissions you need. But often you won't even get that. So just uh, it's being a little bit cautious, I would say, and recognizing what some of the impact might be on, on others around. But again, trying to align as much as you can your own agenda with the company's agenda so that the, the company is behind you doing these activities. If it's seen that you're just doing your own thing, I think that can lead to a lot of resistance. And I think there are two things that come out really nicely in your uh, in your description. One is, of course, the, the connection and the interdependence and the interplay between the external and the internal. I think you've done that extremely well. And I think in your answer, you really talk about how you know, you're on the one hand building competencies and capabilities inside of Lothansa and inside of Emirates. And at the same time, you're also um, helping build their brand as you're helping build your brand through the external media attention. People, I think, underplay the importance of the external. Many people focus on their boss. Many people focus, obviously, on doing their job. But I think they underplay the role of external visibility in helping you do actually your job internally, as well as building your media presence. The other thing I think your answer really illustrates stunningly, for 40 or 50 years, companies have said, you are responsible for your career. And many people do not take that seriously. So the other thing that comes out, at least to me, in your answer is your proactivity. You did not sit back and wait you know, for somebody to figure out how to make Sadiq Jelani an expert in the airline industry for the benefit of both the company and you, you, you were very proactive in managing your career, which I, um, which I very much both admire and appreciate. Thank you. I think it's also, again, worth highlighting a couple of examples on this, just so listeners can be a bit, let's say, cautious with this, because it's, it sounds all, all great. Um, 
but so for example, um, I was invited to give that that speech at the Stanford alumni reunion last year, which which I mentioned, and I could see that this was a great opportunity to formulate a lot of the things we've been discussing in your class and come up with something which is it's really able to reach a much bigger audience. So I started working on that speech, and it was it was a Zoom speech. If you look at it. Uh, it doesn't look like it's a remote, you know, Zoom session. Uh, I put a lot of effort into the getting the setup right, so it would really be delivered like a TED talk and really professional. So my audience wasn't the few hundred people who were attending live; it was really going after a much bigger audience. So that's seeing that opportunity because I saw it as an opportunity to build my brand and also codify all my life lessons, which we explored so well in your class for the bigger audience. But I wasn't really thinking ahead about what the implications would be after that, and. Actually, this product actually took a life of its own, and I received a number of media interviews off the back of it. And every time they linked back to the speech, and that's how I was able to get the one million views. And again, I wasn't expecting some of the fallout from that. So internally, actually, several people complained to the CEO and to the head of communications to say, "How is he doing this? Why is he doing this? It shouldn't be allowed." And actually, I did have permission, so I was covered. But just interesting to see several people on similar levels were taken aback by this. Even though there was actually nothing against Emirates, in fact, I even complimented Emirates in in that speech. But it's just something to be aware of. And the second thing is, by putting that out there and doing those interviews around this whole topic, it really did build my brand in a way I wasn't expecting. And as a result, that's how I got my position right now, the one I'm doing with Atasta Capital and Condor. It's because of that media interview I did in the Spiegel, which was read. It just got someone, the CFO at the time, just to reach out and have a catch up session. So again, we meet thousands of people in our network over time. We do a good or bad job at keeping in contact with those people, but doing these kind of media interviews and using LinkedIn as well, it just puts your brand out there and keeps you relevant in people's minds. So if something comes up, they'll be, "Aha! I've ah, I remember this guy. Maybe I should have a conversation with him about this opportunity which is coming up." So I think this is the point with brand building. It just helps you put people in people's minds and. But it's not a it's not a one time thing. It's actually something which has to be done relatively regularly just to stay relevant. And again, LinkedIn is a great platform for this. But also doing media interviews and looking for these speaking opportunities, conferences, these are all great opportunities just to put yourself out there and put your position out. Thank you for that. It's a that's a great answer. And by the way, I think the, your answer also illustrates something which I talk about in the class. Um, you know, in finance, we understand that there's a trade-off between risk and return. And you have illustrated several times in your in your comments that there is a, a trade-off between risk and return in careers as well. No risk. You know, if you stay under the radar, uh, nobody's going to be jealous. But the reason why they're not going to be jealous is because you haven't uh, done anything. So, so there is definitely a trade-off involved, which I like. One of the things that I like about your career also, which I'd like you to spend just a few minutes talking about, you've had experience... Um, as in managing networks in Lufthansa, you've had experience in a startup airline, you've had experience in a low-cost airline. And when I talked to somebody who does executive recruiting in the travel industry, one of the things they commented about was your breadth of experience, that you did have the low-cost, uh, the Lufthansa, the major airline carrier, the startup experience. So talk a little bit about how you've chosen your jobs to build this amazing portfolio. Yeah, I would say one thing is um, anyone who starts out as a management consultant needs to try and break in and get more operating experience and broaden out because otherwise you can get very much caught in this strategy planning box. So generally when big companies are looking at ex-consultants, they very much think about them in these strategy roles. But that's then a platform in itself to then learn a company, but then as quickly as possible, really try and move into the operation. 
move into a commercial role or just generally broaden out that experience. Because once you've learned the company, you've shown what you can do, it's much easier to make that transition internally than it is for another company to take a gamble and put you into a, an operating role, which you haven't got the experience for. So it's a good example of leveraging one first position to get your second position and you know, trying to, to develop as many and many skills as you can. And that can also be externally. So for example, serving on the World Economic Forum's Council for Sustainable Tourism. This puts me in a different league in terms of my network. It allows me to generate different skills. So it's, it's not only in your core role, but looking out for, let's say, opportunities to work alongside others in, in affiliates or subsidiaries or even just reaching out to other colleagues who may be in different areas and forming relationships with them and, and getting close and asking what they're doing. I guess it comes from a position of curiosity and open-mindedness to go and explore what else is around. So I guess I'm encouraging people to, to look broadly in their roles and in their companies and look at which organizations their employer also partners with, look at that ecosystem and just look a bit more creatively. Don't, don't just look inside the job description of what you're doing. And the final topic I want to cover very briefly is how you have been able to survive, uh, you know, in t- in, at least in, t- in two instances, uh, the departure of the person who hired you, which, you know, I think most people will recognize uh, that if you're hired in by somebody and that person then leaves the organization, you are often, you know, in a very, very precarious position. But you have done this now, or not, of course, intentionally, uh, but twice you have survived this very, very effectively. And I would love for you to share some lessons of how you've managed to persist and, and to actually succeed in organizations where the, where the person, your number one sponsor, the person who brought you in um, has departed. Yes. First of all, whenever you're hired by someone, that person obviously has made that conscious decision to hire you and they have a lot of trust in you. Um, when that person leaves and the, the, someone takes over, you're generally an inherited person and there's, there's much more skepticism about, about you. And particularly if the person's enemy is the one who takes over, there's a lot of baggage that you come and you bring with you. So what helped me in both situations was having mentors and friends inside who were able through that journey, both before and after, to advocate for me and to say, give me a chance. And that really helped with the new bosses to really rebuild relationships, even if that new boss had been part of the team to bring down the old boss. Having said that, I think it's also a question of having a portfolio as well and having a view also of what else you could be doing, both internally and externally, so that you're not fully reliant on that. So in a way, once you lose a person that's hired you, in a way, there's a clock that starts ticking. It can work out internally and you can stay, but in general, your career trajectory is, it takes a different shape. So I think as soon as that point happens, it's really worth thinking about that portfolio. What else is in your portfolio? Just in terms of risk adjustment and uh, having other options in case it doesn't work out to replant yourself. But obviously you give it your best effort. You, you try and make relationships with your new boss. You try and get support from sponsors to also help. And you obviously try and up your game and do the best you can in that time. But at the same time, you also keep options open and you broaden out your portfolio such that if the trajectory doesn't work out in the same pace as it was going for previously, that you may want to rebase somewhere else. And you've used the word portfolio several times in this interview, which is really speaks to a word that we have not used, but I think it's an important one. It's the word of diversification. I mean, one of the things that Sadiq has done is internally diversified relationships uh, many people come in and they're hired by somebody and they do not build sufficient number of relationships more broadly inside the organization. And he also, I think, has done and illustrated, I think, brilliantly the idea of, of diversifying 
your opportunities both inside and outside the organization. Um, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. You have illustrated, I think, perfectly why you're such a wonderful subject in my Pass the Power class. And the lessons, I think, are applicable to everybody, whether you're in the airline industry or not. One of the wonderful things about Sadiq, which I forgot to say in the introduction of him, is that he has been able to combine his passion for travel. He's been to 120 countries with his professional career. And I think that's another very important lesson in terms of integrating what you're interested in uh, with the job that you do. So thank you very much for being with us. So Sadiq, you're fantastic. It's great to see you again. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. 